Welcome back to another episode of The Occasionalists. That's right, we are back to wrap up the year 2023. Matt Pagel here once again, flying the ship solo as I have essentially all year long, obviously with some help from my friends. But, <clears throat> but uh, you know, just here to wrap up a, a very interesting year on the podcast. Um, it had been a long, long, long time since I had um had done this as a as a solo host um and just definitely found found it both simultaneously um simultaneously difficult liberating interesting unique um new challenges but also like new opportunities um i'll I'll get to i'll get to some of that here uh in a second um before we kind of dive into the bulk of this year in review episode something we do every december we go back and uh you know we look at uh we look at we we do like a kind of smattering of stuff normally, but we are going to, for this episode, just going to be looking at the past year and the Occasionalist podcast. Um, I'm sure some other stuff will sneak in here and there, but but it is going to be more self-reflective than uh, than usual, um, you know, than our usual look at the pop culture stuff that happened and some of the social media stuff that we, you know, we paid attention to. This is definitely going to be much more contained uh, in that regard. Just going to go through and talk about Talk about the the year that uh, the year that that was uh, in the Occasionalists, and we're gonna go month by month. Um, I'm gonna talk about the pros and cons of each month and the themes and everything. Um, I'm gonna pick a if, if applicable. I'm gonna pick a favorite episode and a least favorite episode from the month. Um, and then uh, I'm kind of I'm gonna nominate four as I as I mentioned before, as I had mentioned if you saw it on on uh, on social media if you saw it on Instagram. Uh, we're gonna the this episode is gonna be followed by the four best episodes of the year. Um, to kick off 2024 and then we're actually going to have don't worry there's going to be new episodes coming right after that um but that's how we're, that's what we're going to do we're going to nominate four episodes uh from this season as, a, as the four best episodes from the season um and you know that's yeah that's that's basically it um there's really not much else to get into other than the, that um this is like i said this was such a very a very interesting year um that brought like i said new challenges new opportunities it was really difficult sometimes but also sometimes shockingly easy uh <clears throat> to 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 pilot the ship solo the let's start you know i'll just start with like the difficulties here first um since that like makes the most sense to kind of kick off with but um it, it's it wasn't like it, you know no production difficulties or anything like that um, the, diff- the, the main difficulty, uh, I'll say this, the main difficulty, I was so busy with work this year. The main difficulty was being able to kind of hammer out like a regular, a regular schedule for me to sit down and record and, uh, and more importantly, really get well prepped for recording. Um, some of the things that like, some of the things that we do here, uh, when we go, when we put these episodes together or we put like an entire month's worth of, ep- worth of episodes together, there's a lot of several hours worth, um, you know, sometimes even several days worth of research of, you know, kind of, uh, brainstorming ideas and, and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, there's like a, there's like an adage and, uh, there's an adage in like radio that, you know, it's, you know, for every hour of airtime, there's an hour of prep time. And that's very, very similar. Um, you know, we are, I do try to like, I do try to be well prepared when it comes to, uh, when it comes to every episode and putting every episode together, I do try to be well prepared and you can tell, you can tell, I think you can tell that from some of the episodes that we've done over the years here. Um, so that was like one of the most difficult ones, kind of like hammering out a regular schedule. The next thing was going this frequently without a co-host, um, having, not having someone to bounce ideas off of, 
not having someone to uh, you know to regularly give me ideas or give me a new perspective on something was very difficult when it came to uh, when it came to making the episodes. Like it's not that there's you know like when we talk about war movies, there's obviously plenty of stuff to talk about with war movies, but you know uh, like Chema might have a, a different point of view on a war movie than I have. Or might have picked up something in a war movie or a battle scene. You know, we did when I did the battle breakdowns, or whatever. You know, he might have had something different that he was that he would have seen, or Nugent would have had something different that he would have seen, or my friend Kayla would have had something different that she would have seen. And so it is. It is kind of not that I'm trying to be not that I'm trying to see everything, but I do try to, uh, in lieu of you know not having not having another person there, I do try to when I'm putting these episodes together, try to attack as many angles as possible, but. I know that there's just stuff that I'm missing um, in terms of in terms of having another set of eyes, uh, eyes and ears, essentially, to um, to look at things and consider things and give me their perspective. So that was definitely very difficult, kind of just having the having presenting a very one sided sort of um, one sided is not the best word, the best way to put it. Maybe um, maybe, you know, just a limited perspectives, basically, on, on a lot of this stuff, even though I did try to be a little bit more comprehensive. But that was, that was those were the two main difficulties, the time and the lack of, of more perspectives, the lack of more thought on, on a particular subject. Um, but, you know, there like I said, there were interesting kind of opportunities and actually advantages to doing this much solo. And it was sort of, you know, like I said, it was kind of hard to knock down a schedule for like when I, you know, to do everything on a, in a certain time frame. But also, I could just record whenever I wanted to. Um, I didn't really have, I didn't have to wait around for anybody or schedule time. And, you know, it's not a knock against anybody else. It's just much, much easier to do this, um, you know, on, on my own schedule. There were times where I got up and recorded at like six o'clock in the morning because that was the easiest time. That was the that was the time frame that I had, and it was the easiest for me to do it then. There were times that I didn't even start recording until like 1130 at night because that was just the time that I had. You know, that, that was just the way it worked out. I was able to record more on weekends, um, you know. So it, it that was definitely a big advantage. Um, I could just, you know, everything was really basically dependent, up to me, dependent on me and my schedule, um, which was crowded this year. But um, again, you know, when... When you're the when you're the sole one dictating uh, when things are going to happen, it's a lot easier to make them happen. Um, there was also sort of again, I'll sort of I guess give the flip side of the of the two things I talked. Essentially, what I'm doing here is just giving the flip side of the two things I just talked about as, as difficulties or disadvantages. Um, because it it is just sort of my perspective, I can kind of all these episodes were basically shaped the way I wanted them to be. Um, with a, with a couple of exceptions, and we'll we'll talk about those when we get to them. But these were basically all, you know, it, it's sort of like everything's being executed the way we want to because, well, it's, it's you know, this is your this is my, this is my baby basically. Um, so everything kind of went down the way I wanted it to, which was you know nice on the one hand, but I, I do like some surprises and do like some curveballs that I get thrown by my guests um, or, uh, or or co-host when when Chema's around. So um, definitely was an advantage to sort of just have things go the way I want them to. Um, but, uh, oh, uh, you know, I, I know I forgot a difficulty. Uh, I want to circle back here. we give you one more difficulty here. Sort of not having the consistent co-host um, definitely limited some of the things I want to do. Like Chema and I, we do the characters when we do our sports talk radio, our mock sports talk radio um, you know, we, we, we do scene reads and stuff like that. We do these like brainstorming sessions that really only work 
well with another person. Sort of, I mean, it really is sort of a, I guess I could do some of this stuff by myself, but it really is sort of like it takes two to tango kind of thing. And not having someone, especially someone who understands exactly what these sort of, um, like I, I'm sure, and, and I'll probably try this year to get uh, to do like the sports talk radio, the kind of mock sports talk radio thing again. Uh, but it's a lot of easier with someone who like has already done it several times and gets it. And you, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's sort of like, um, you know, actors in a role. Like you, the more you play that, the more, the, the more you play that role, the easier it is to play. The more you, you, you get into the nuances of things, the easier it is to sort of put together those episodes when you've done it a few times. So that was, uh, that was definitely another difficulty. Overall, you know, overall I, I liked, I liked the work that, 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 you know, that myself and my occasional guest hosts, I like everything that we accomplished. Um, I really, really enjoyed uh, a lot of the territory that we got into um, into this year, and I it sort of um, I, I I had done I had done multiple episodes solo previously, but never this many. This was easily a record um, that that I in terms of episodes that I that there were just me myself and I. And I'm generally very, very, very proud of all the work that got done. Every all the subjects that we, the, all the subjects that were covered, all, everything that that uh, I got into or I got into with someone else. Um, when when I did have a co-host or a guest, if you will, uh, a guest and uh, truly, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. But I actually I, something I want to expand more is having guests as opposed to co-hosts, um, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. But definitely proud of all the work we did uh, on 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 the podcast this year and. I think um, I think going into next year, that sort of set the template, or maybe that's not the best way to put it. Uh, well, no, it did set a template for how I can uh, very easily kind of continue this as a solo as a solo host, but also knowing full well that there, knowing full well that some of the things that I didn't try this year, I think now kind of having uh, sat and, and ruminated on them and, and you know done some other stuff and experimented with some other stuff. I can kind of venture into ter- some of this. Some of the stuff I didn't do this year, I can definitely uh, do on my own next year. I feel like I'm confident that I can make it work. Uh, even uh, things that I would previously have thought that only work with you know two people or multiple or even more than that, I think I'm pretty sure I can make work um, make work in a solo capacity uh, this year. So that was um, yeah. That, that that's sorry to. Just kind of just kind of abruptly ended the thought there um but yeah i, I think um overall you know I, 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 there's no point in like grading a year or anything like that but i think overall um as i was kind of prepping for this episode and considering all the episodes that popped up uh in terms of like the things i'm considering that the best and the worst or whatever even the worst episodes i think and i don't even think the worst is the way to put them just the ones that i just don't like as much basically even those turned out really, really well, I think. So very, very happy with this whole year. I think, I think again, having done this now, um, having done this much work solo and having done the, like the variety of work that I've done solo, um, definitely feeling more confident that I can expand that uh, going into next year. And yeah, I just really excited, really pumped for 2024. 2023 was great. Um, it would I, I do however I will say this I do think that um, some of the things that I'm thinking about would also be much more fun with multiple people um, like I, I still am pining to do 
our version since we you know we covered um uh in sci-fi september we talked about radio plays and um I'm I'm still pining to do my version of a radio play, uh, but we'll we'll talk about that more more than likely we'll talk about that when we get to Sci-Fi September. So uh, no need to to kind of open that up here, but uh, yeah, that, that's I guess that's the general the general gist of uh, if if I had to you know give you the give you the not not terribly in depth pitch or the terribly in depth analysis of everything that happened in 2023 um, and, and how I felt about everything and you know, what did work and what didn't work. Um, you know, I, I will say that there's, I, I will say that I, I guess mostly everything worked better than I thought. Even the things that I thought that might be kind of difficult for me to do. Uh, everything kind of worked at least in some capacity with some certain notes that were um, maybe we just, maybe I just didn't hit quite as quite the way that I thought I was going to, but uh, everything kind of more or less worked out the way that uh, it was supposed to. So that was excellent. That was definitely something that I was heartened by uh, for this past year. But that's enough preamble. Let's get into it. Let's talk about let's talk about all the all the episodes we did this year. So, like I said, we're going to go month by month, um, and we're going to talk about the themes and all the episodes in them. Probably not all the episodes. We're not going to go like break down every single episode. Um, in fact, there are going to be some months that we just kind of skip over because I think there were I think there's just not a lot to talk about necessarily. Um, so, but let's get into it. I'll oh I'll, I'll give you the the breakdown of every single month that we did this year uh, and the themes. I know a couple of these were changed. I don't remember exactly which ones uh, were changed, but um, I'm sure I have a list. I know well, I know I have a list somewhere. I just didn't I just didn't have the foresight to bring it up right now. And I'm not going to stop this flow of consciousness um, to look it up. So here were the months that we did this year on the Occasionalist. January was the Gatekeepers, and uh, the idea here was. Uh, it was tied in with uh, with January. Janus is the uh, Janus is the god of like um, I, I mean I guess the god of like time. Um, you know he's the the gatekeeper of, of time and knowledge. And I, I think it might be knowledge might not be correct, but like um, this is all tied into Janus and also tied into the idea of like people um, you know uh, resolutions and people wanting to try new things. You know every, every time we get into a new year, it's sort of like new year, new me. Um, so this was kind of, and I, the January was, and I sort of a way to, um, well, if you're going to do new things, you're interested in new stuff, you want to learn something new. That was the the general idea behind the gatekeepers. And like I said, we'll get into the, that in more detail. February was ask the experts where I, uh, took some people aside who had a very particular, um, experiences with, uh, they had uh, expertise and experiences in very particular areas, uh, and that was definitely a lot of fun. Uh, to recap that one real quickly, uh, Greg Cherry and I, frequent co-host Greg Cherry and I, um, talked about stand-up comedy. Um, my friend, uh, our friend and frequent guest uh, Rob Nugent, talked about hockey, and um, my friend and first-time guest uh, Kayla talked about uh, her experiences in kind of extreme sports, but in particular uh, doing uh, doing rock climbing. April was Man Tears April. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped a month. Jesus Christ. March it was in the March of Minisodes, um, something that we always do, and now and now is one of the standards, something that we're, we're always going to do on this show, March of Minisodes. Um, April was Man Tears April, and that was just about the stuff that made men cry. Uh, May, again, a, another standard was Movie May, 
And that month uh, was Battlefield Cinema, um, one of my favorites, and we'll, obviously we'll get into that. June was History Lesson, uh, a new one that uh, you know we picked up, and we just it, basically a deep dive into something uh, that maybe maybe we wouldn't talk about in detail normally. Um, basically, that was kind of the idea. July vacation, uh, we were not here, <laughs> and it was great. Uh, August the 1990s, uh, we covered in particular 1990s video games uh we covered some 1990s sitcoms uh uh, sitcoms movies it was um we had some guests there for that one that was a lot of fun um again we'll 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 get into the details there september sci-fi september was very very comprehensive essentially mapping uh sci-fi from quite literally the beginnings of sci-fi which are inseparable from the beginnings of fiction um, all the way up to um, you know all the way up to modern sci-fi, um, which so essentially, essentially we're talking about tens of thousands of years of storytelling um, is what we covered in Sci-Fi September. October we got back to our Fright Fest. It was the fifth annual Fright Fest, and this one uh, was the Body Politic, in which we covered political horror and sort of um, and sort of political adjacent horror. I guess you could also call it like social horror would be another way to look at it. Um, that was a great month. Really enjoyed that. Uh, November was a sports, a full month, sports November. And then December, obviously, we're just doing this right now. So uh, one more one more time for you. January, The Gatekeepers. February, Ask the Experts. March, In the March of Minisodes. April, Man Tears. May, Battlefield Cinema. June, History Lesson. July, Vacation. August, the 1990s. September was Sci-Fi September. October was Fright Fest 5, The Body Politic, and November was Sports November, and then we have the year interview happening as you're listening to this. All right, so let's get into January, The Gatekeepers. Uh, so this month we talked about, um, here, let me pull up the list here real quick. We talked about, um, or, well, let me get to the premise here real quick. So the general idea of Gatekeepers was diving into some topics um, and subject matters that maybe you felt like you needed to be part of the in-group or you needed advanced knowledge to kind of understand or enjoy. But, um, you know, I kind of try to break down those barriers to at least kind of give you the impression that some of the barriers to this thing wasn't, these things weren't as daunting as they seem. Um, so that was that was the idea behind the gatekeepers. And we covered new technology. Um, I know we covered uh, stuff like quantum computing, AI, just some other, just some stuff like that. You know, people are always kind of intimidated by technology, so we want to talk about that. Um, talked about the gym, uh, you know, navigating gym culture, especially someone again for someone who's not terribly familiar with gym culture or terribly familiar with, um, you know, or maybe very very brand new to the gym. Again, January, that's like the joke. Um, that's like the joke in uh, in in gym rat culture um, is that you know January first. It's kind of when all the all the weirdos showed up, show up because like there's, you know, their places are running specials. A lot of people, you know, their new year's resolutions to get fit. So, um, you know, here, here come the, the horde of the, you know, the, the waves of kind of people doing strange stuff. And it's usually, and that's the joke, but as it, as it turns out, it's not that they're doing strange stuff. It's that they don't, it's a lot of people that have never really been in a gym before. And, uh, so that, you know, that was sort of an idea there was just sort of to break that down as to why that, um, you know, why it's, why it can be intimidating for some people and, um, you know, not to, and I'll, not the, why it can be in, intimidating for some people and why it's people like me, who's a big time gym rat 
um, been been deep into gym culture for literally, you know, cl- closing in on thirty years of my life. Um, why that's it's it's understandable, but you know, like, hey, people like me are the are the people that like are, are actually sort of like I love when new people come up and talk to me uh, and ask me for stuff at the gym. It doesn't happen that often, especially the gym I go to is the gym I go to is um, uh, the guy who owns it and runs it. Uh, you know, is a national national champion bodybuilder runs all the bodybuilding shows in, uh, in my region of the country. And, uh, so there's a lot of already like advanced people. So it doesn't happen that much, but it does happen every now and then, um, you know, new people come in and just want to know stuff. Um, so that was the idea there. Sorry, getting too far into that one. And then the last one was sports, like understanding the nuances of specific sports, understanding how the fan bases for certain sports work. Um, you know, like it's, you know, football fans are different from baseball fans. Baseball fans are different from basketball fans. Basketball fans are different from hockey hockey fans. The sports obviously are different from each other, but oddly enough, have a lot of overlap in terms of the rules and why the rules exist. So, the gatekeepers was definitely a lot of a lot of fun. Good way to kick off. Uh, good way to kick off the year, I think. You know, just kind of talking about, um, especially for me, you know, doing this like my first set of like really in-depth episodes of this variety solo it was kind of nice to get into stuff that i am familiar with and so i can kind of talk about at length without really needing um really needing a ton of or needing any participation from anybody on the other side so um so this was definitely a great this was definitely a great way to kick off the entire year uh talking about this new tech stuff talking about the gym talking about sports um it was definitely a lot of fun um i think i think I don't know if this one has a con necessarily, but I, I guess sort of the the general drawback to this would be um, I'm not going to do this uh, for this coming January. But I think the general drawback is that it really has to be kind of in my wheelhouse for it to be. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's not like I can give can give you advice on like um, it's not like I can give you advice on like painting techniques or something like or give you advice on you know as much as I enjoy reading and attempting to write my own like screenplays and things like that i can't give you advice on that i have no fucking idea what i'm doing so um so i guess this that you know this would be the, i guess if, if there was if there was a con to this this would be the kind of thing that would be pretty fun to have someone else talk about their area of expertise and their area of knowledge to kind of uh show that you know the barriers to entry to get it to this level really aren't that bad um, but you know, basically it's just got to be in my particular wheelhouse, uh, otherwise. So that, I guess that's like the, really the only drawback, um, in terms of the episodes, boy, I tell you what, um, I think, I think the, my favorite one was talking about the gym as a complete and total gym rat. Um, I, I will talk about the gym with anybody at any point in time. So it was fun to have an entire episode dedicated, dedicated to it. I, I legitimately, I would, I would be able to do a, at least like a twice a month podcast that was entirely just about working out. I could do that 100% and would never run out of shit to talk about. So that was my favorite of the episodes. I guess my least favorite, I don't think I had a least favorite in that lot. Um, uh, maybe, maybe new tech. I, I don't know. No, I don't, I didn't have a least favorite in, in, uh, in January. Um, so that's, um, yeah, that, that's something I just don't think it applies here. I don't, and I don't really think, Again, I, I think there were shortcomings. The, this sort of format just kind of inherently, like, 
I can't talk about certain things because I just don't know about them necessarily. I don't know about them in a way that I could give you um, really in-depth sort of advice or really in, a really different perspective on things. So that, that's really the only missed opportunity I think that really applies here. So I'm just looking at this list of stuff that I kind of want to check off. Um, so yeah, I, so I think um, good way to start off the year. Um, the, the the gym episode was definitely my favorite one that that we got into for definitely the favorite one that we got into for the for the for the gatekeepers. Um, and I will say this: nothing is going to be nominated for um, for best episode from this first month, even though I did like all the episodes. February, ask the experts. This was so much fun. Um, I can tell you right now, there was zero con to this, and they're all kind of my favorite episodes. Um, this was um, this was like the first chance that I had to sort of, even though Greg and Rob had been on the show multiple times before, this was the first time that I had them as, I guess the I guess the first half of Rob's he was like co-host, but then it was actually nice to have them as guests to you know like to sort of open up into their their personal experiences with the things that we talked about. Um, you know, Nugent or Nugent, you know, we talked about, we just got into some NHL talk, uh, to start off the episode. Uh, he is my, he is my hockey correspondent. Um, so it, it was, it was fun getting like caught up on some of the hockey news with him, but I had more fun talking to him about his experiences as, um, you know, as someone who still, as an adult who still plays sports, um, and obviously his case is hockey. Um, you know, still is in like men's men's rec leagues and stuff, you know, the beer league or whatever, getting that perspective on like what it takes to kind of, you know, it's not the same way when you're even when, even 10 years ago is not the same as, as now. But just getting the perspective on how you how you still fit that uh, into your life was was very interesting and really fun to talk about with Rob. Um, Greg, getting into his sort of into his experiences and stand up. Um, in stand-up comedy out there in Fort Collins, which, believe it or not, um, Colorado is a Colorado, especially the well, especially, but I was gonna say the Denver and uh, the Denver the Denver suburbs, uh, of which uh, Cherry lives in uh, one of the far northern suburbs, Fort Collins, um, has a great has a great comedy scene. That area of the country has a very good comedy scene, and um, it was very interesting to talk to someone and get some details on that on that particular comedy scene but also like how how it you know how you, how you get started in something like this and you know it's it's more than just like well people think you're funny like it's is it you know that's it's more than that it's more than like you're you have an ability to tell a joke we got i love that we got into you know the work that it takes you know it's it's not really it's not really different than like sort of participating in a sport that like you gotta you gotta practice and that's what like that's what some of the, um, not necessarily open mics, but that's what some of those like nights where you're like the 18th person on and it's like one o'clock in the morning and you get three minutes, that's practice to, to see what works best and like how it is very much a, um, it's very much like muscle memory and, you know, doing, doing one thing for, for an audience. Then, you know, then the next night you try the same thing, different audience doesn't work. You got to figure it out. And like, that was a very interesting kind of, um, that was a very interesting discussion to talk about how those differences and how it is sort of it is very much you know to to be a to be any level of comedian um, stand up comedian especially one that that is getting paid to do it um, there's just a lot there's an element of it that is very much that is very much work and not 
and not play if that makes sense even though it turns into play there's a lot of there's a very big element of work to it so that was a lot of fun um and i had i had an absolute blast getting my friend kayla on on the podcast to talk about rock climbing and water skiing and all those kind of other like those uh, you know maybe extreme sports isn't the exact i mean i don't know i don't think those necessarily qualify as extreme anymore but you know getting into the x games type of sports and getting into the outdoor adventure sports and and talking with her about you know why she enjoys doing them some of the other stuff that she's done like getting uh like doing like these like wilderness like these like wilderness um safety training courses and stuff that are like are really intense like that kind of stuff was really really cool to talk with her about um you know it's stuff that we i've talked to her about personally um you know off mic but kind of um i don't want to say like grilling her on it but like again there's like a different there's definitely 100 percent a different dynamic when i am when i am the host and that person is the guest and not the co-host there's a very different dynamic about like the information that we that we get into and with with kayla if she was like a if she was a co-host and we were kind of talking about a subject i don't think we would have got into we would have gotten into some of the um personal motivations for doing it some of her experiences I don't think we would have gotten into some of the other stuff, like like I said, like her um, her like wildlife or wildlife, Jesus Christ, her uh, like wilderness um, certifications and things that she has. I'm not necessarily sure we would have gotten as deep into those as we did, um, but it, I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that she first off I'm glad that she agreed to do it because I can tell you I'm fairly certain that she did not even listen to our episode because she's not a podcast person like whatsoever. Um, but like, I, I'm glad that she did it cause it was a very interesting subject and something that I, you know, just am personally curious about. And I really wouldn't have this sort of chance otherwise to bother her about it. Um, I wouldn't have this chance otherwise to just, bother. I mean, I guess I could just ask her, but it's like, you know, just like calling her up and asking her something is just very different from like the, the information that we got, uh, through the episode. So that was really, really cool. And like I said, this is it was really interesting to have a truly complete first time guest uh, on the show. And so, like I said, there is no con to this. There's, this is only pro in this case. All the episodes are great. They all have their own, um, they all have their own unique flavor. They're all fun to do. I think that if I had to think about like a missed opportunity, it's not even really a missed opportunity. I just want to work this in more to have people on as guests versus co-hosts. It's very, very different. It's just a very, the way that we set the show up is very, very different um, than, you know, like when, I, when Chum and I are doing it together or Greg and I are doing it together. Like you can you can listen to the episode um, from from August, the, the 1990s, when Greg and I talked about video games. Greg is 100 percent there as a co-host, whereas Greg is there as a guest in the February episode. And the episodes have a different tenor to them, completely different. So it's definitely something that I would like to do, uh, like to do again uh, is have uh uh, is have people on as guests, especially new people on as guests. Something I got to try to try to pick the pace up on uh, for next year. And I, you know, I, as much as I liked all these episodes, and I really, really did, um, I don't think I can nominate one as a best of. I, this was one of those cases. It's just a check all of these out um, because they're all great. So I, I don't think this. I don't think any single one can uh, can kind of like rise to the level of best of necessarily so um so you know thanks everyone but uh i, I maybe i'll do i'll do a collective nomination they're, they're honorable mention uh go listen to all the uh, ask the expert episodes honorable mention there 
All right, this one will be pretty quick here. Um, in the March of Minisodes, I think this was a record amount of Minisodes. I think there was like seven. Oh, let me... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven Minisodes um, of all... I think the shortest one was uh, like six or seven minutes. And the longest one was like right around like 40 minutes. Um, covered everything from the new rules in baseball, which... I, I, I'm not like, I'm not one of those people who's like, I told you so. I'm not like the first person to, to, not the first person to go through the new rules in baseball and realize that this is, this is the kick in the pants that the sport needed. And the new rules in baseball went off with flying success. Um, you know, once we got, especially really the, the worst part of it was probably spring training. And then we had some hiccups in the first couple of weeks. And then, you know, you'd go like, from all the games that I saw, other than like, you know, one or two um, batters not being in the in the box violations, and a couple of um, a couple of pitch clock violations by the pitcher, there just like wasn't anything like major. It's not like I don't recall there. I don't recall. I'm sure there probably was at least one, but I don't recall there being a game that ended on a pitch clock violation. Um, so I'm not like shocked that the the new base the new MLB rules went off with a went off without a hitch and something that the sport sorely needed. We got the games down to, you know, to a more respectable time. I know, I know, there's purists and people that'll tell you like, oh, I, no, I like the long. No, you didn't like the long games. Trust me, you didn't. Um, viewership showed that you didn't like long games. Engagement showed that you didn't like long games. Um, people like short games, and it's not like they're that short. They're still like two hours and fifty minutes, but they're not three hours and forty-five minutes. They're not three and a half hours anymore. Um, you know, very rarely did a game get to that length. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to make the I'm going to make the guess that almost every game that went, you know, that exceeded three hours by more than like a couple, by more than a minute or two, every one of those games I would guess was um, was an extra inning game. So that was that was good. Um, I did some recommendations that were really fun to kind of talk about The Last of Us and things that uh, kind of would go well with The Last of Us. Talked about the the latest uh, Benson and Moorhead movie. Something in the dirt was a lot of fun. Um, one of one of the most interesting kind of examples of pandemic filmmaking. Um, so that was great. Uh, then it covered, uh, then I just, you know, I'm telling you for the last time was just some kind of final word on some things that we already talked about previously. Um, and then, uh, and then we talked about, uh, and then I did several episodes in a row about, you know, since the, we had the, the success recently with video game adaptations and more of them coming, what if we did, you know, what if we did more video game adaptations? What if we did, what if we readapted old movies? What if we re- what if we rebooted old TV shows? All of these things for television. Um, because that seems like, that seems like the appropriate medium for things like, especially video games that have, you know, a video game like The Last of Us, you, there's no way you could make that into a movie. You have to make that into a TV show. Um, the the new Fallout TV show that's coming uh, next year. There is no way to make that into a movie. It has to be a TV show. And I think that's the the general direction that a lot of these um, reboots and adaptations of even movies and things that that's that's the direction they're going. Um, so that's all we did. And there was then we finished uh, with some opening day baseball trivia, um, which was uh, it was fun. Um, and that's that's it. This this month was a lot of fun. There's a reason why this month is a standard for us because it's a lot of fun to do and um it's a lot of fun to do there's lots of opportunities to do different things uh in there um like a trivia show like um you know brainstorming tv ideas um so yeah it, it was a lot of fun march of minisodes it's a, it's a standard theme now um i don't know if we'll ever, we'll ever get to the point where we just we only have theme months 
But um, but in the March of Minisodes, I'm very glad that Chema that Chema you know suggested that one a few years ago because uh, that worked out really well, and obviously it's it's stuck around for a reason. All right, we are now into April. Man tears April, the stuff that makes men cry. Um, you know, this is in terms of like, obviously like pop culture stuff. You know, we talked about some movies and, you know, we talked about like, um, like the final, the final crushing scene of, uh, of like Field of Dreams when, uh, when, uh, when Ray is, uh, Ray finally has a game of catch with his dad, like that kind of stuff. Um, obviously got into the history of some stuff of, of tears and crying and the scientific kind of stuff behind it a little bit too. Um, you know, there are people that actually can't cry, um, believe it or not, which, and it, and I don't I don't mean like they can't like physically produce tears, they don't have like the sort of the crying emotion I guess, and it, it's it's a whole thing. Um, there it's it's a, it's a syndrome that that it's not like very super common, but it's a syndrome that some people have like where they just physically cannot cry. Um, I think here this is like my first example of this is my this is probably my least favorite episode of the entire season. And I say that big for multiple reasons. One, this is this is one of the months where I was super duper busy with a lot of things. Um, I I had a stupid, I had a stupid accident and uh, broke a bunch of my ribs, uh, which kind of like put me on the shelf for a while. Uh, and plus, I was just like busy with work as well, so I just didn't have like the 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 time, the wherewithal, or like the fortitude. To like to put a lot into this, um, you know, I I wanted to do a couple. I I really thought there's only going to be like two episodes with this anyway. But it also became very apparent that this was one of the, um, this is one of the episodes that absolutely 100% needs to be a multiple person episode. Uh, as I talked about before, like not having like not having perspective on certain things, kind of, kind of um, can can kind of spike certain episodes, and not having at least one other perspective is something that definitely spiked this episode. It's not that it's bad whatsoever. It's just that, like, upon hindsight, this would be so much better with one or two other people kind of sharing the things that that make them emotional, especially, um, you know, whether it's pop culture stuff or just some other moments uh, that, that they think about that are really touching. And, uh, yeah, it's just, this is just something like that, that I wouldn't revisit simply because of the way, simply because of the way that this, the way that this worked uh, with one point of view, with one, um, you know, with one set of ideas, it just didn't really explore as deeply as it could or should have. So while I while I did enjoy doing this episode and talking about it, man tears, we're not revisiting that. And it's definitely not uh, to you can tell that this is definitely not going to be uh, in those top four. That's for sure. All right. So let's move on to. Let's move on to May. One of our again, one of our classic standby themes now that we're always going to do movie May, where we just cover movies all month long. And this was a uh, this was definitely a lot of fun as well. Uh, we finally finally got around to doing war movies, and um, you know covered two covered two war movies in particular, um, Centurion and Things to Come. But I really loved doing the battle breakdown. It was like one of my favorites. Uh, went through and found a whole bunch of different types of types of war movies that either did something well or did something not not quite so well. Um, I can't um, see if I can find the, the list of, of things that were. Uh, hold on one second here. Stalling for time is always a good podcasting technique. Okay, so we looked at um, 
we looked at uh, various battle scenes. Um, we looked at battle scenes from the Messenger, the story of the, jo- the story of Joan of Arc, uh, Gladiator, Three Hundred. Those were all the um, you know battle scenes from antiquity. Uh, you know the the I guess the, I guess like the, when you think of a lot of battle scenes in a lot of movies, that's probably amongst the first. You, you kind of think of swords and shields clashing. So those were like our, our battle scenes from antiquity. Um, and then we also looked at A Bridge Too Far, Apocalypse Now, Saving Private Ryan. Um, I can't remember if there was a 100% an exact theme with these necessarily, other than that they were real. I think these were all because there's, these were real life battles was the idea here. Um, you know, in some capacity. A Bridge Too Far was um, part of uh, Operation Market Garden. Um Apocalypse Now, obviously, uh, Coppola's, um, you know, Vietnam movie. I don't think it necessarily portrayed any specific battle, but, you know, getting getting the vibe of, um, you know, the general vibe of the of the weird interactions and the weird battles and all the weirdness of the weirdness of war in general, but certainly the weirdness of Vietnam. Uh, Saving Private Ryan, obviously Saving Private Ryan covering D-Day, you know, the landing at Normandy Beach and the absolute insane meat grinder that normandy was and you know i think i think i'm fairly certain that it, of course in that episode that we talked about how saving private ryan is realistically the granddaddy of all battle sequences um probably even now 25 26 years on probably still the probably still the gold standard um in terms of battle scenes is that is that d-day landing the landing in normandy it's unreal uh, speaking of man tears, my goodness, the beginning and ending of Saving Private Ryan just whew, blow you away. And then, uh, and then we finish off with Black Sails TV show, Game of Thrones TV show, and uh, Children of Men um, to sort of get definitely get some different stuff. Black Sails we wanted we wanted to talk about ship to ship combat and a particular scene uh, at the end of the second season, I believe, wherein. Uh, or was it the first season? I can't remember. But anyway, Spanish Man of War absolutely demolishes two ships, just rips them to shreds. Um, one of the legitimately one of the best TV battles of any kind uh, is the is the Spanish Man of War just annihilating the the Walrus and the Ranger in in Black Sails, uh, a vastly underrated show with some great characters, great ship to ship combat, great sword sword play, awesome show all around. But that was like a standout. That was a absolute standout battle. That ship to ship battle. It's fantastic. Uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, we covered Battle of the Bastards. Actually, um, uh, I can't remember exactly what I said about Battle of the Bastards, but that's what we covered. Uh, and then Children of Men was the was two, was twofold. The idea of urban combat. You know, we we have like this absolute flattened dystopian dystopian world uh, of the future in which. Uh, a child hasn't been born, and I, th- I think it like it was. I think the youngest kid dies at the beginning of the movie, and like uh, gets like stabbed to death or something. And I think he's like nineteen or or nineteen or twenty. I, I think so. It's been basically two decades since the last human being had been born, and it's just caused this complete societal collapse. Obviously, there's just no, there is no reason for schools. There is no reason for pediatric care. There is no reason for any of this stuff anymore, and it's caused like this this rippling effect of society with where fascist governments have taken over and there's a lot of um uh there's a lot of um urban combat with soldiers and troops uh you know you know hunting down people in cities and stuff like that 
Um, so that's urban combat, close quarters, com- really close quarters combat that is really well done, but also these extraordinarily long takes, um, these super long takes that are mo- that are minutes long. That I mean, you follow, you follow Clive Owen in, in some in some situations. You follow Clive Owen for like four or five minutes at a clip as he moves through like this urban hellscape that's being overrun by by rebels and being overrun by the fascist military. And so it's twofold there, seeing how how you do a battle sequence wherein you don't take your essentially you don't take your eyes off of one or two characters or the situation, but also it's in extraordinarily tight quarters and it just gives this incredible feeling of being trapped like rats. So uh, those were the movies that we covered for for uh, for the battle breakdown. A lot of fun. That, I think that that was my favorite of the um, that was my favorite of this month. Uh, I don't think this is one I, I, I don't have the least favorite. Um, I don't think that's like the best way to qualify it necessarily. I think um, I guess man, I guess like Centurion was my least favorite since I didn't really like the movie that much. But it's one of those things like when when Chem and I like purposely cover bad movies, a lot of times there's just much more to talk about with a bad movie. And it's not this movie really isn't bad. It just felt like that they that um, who directed it, uh, Neil Marshall. It just felt like that Neil Marshall didn't go as far as he could have if he wanted. Like there's there was more room for him to cover if he wanted to. So I guess I would put that as like my least favorite for that reason. It was like it was like covering a movie that just like as you're sitting there watching, you're like, man, you should have done this, you should have done this, you should have done this. Um, and you know who knows why? Could have been budgetary constraints, could have been um, you know shooting constraints, whatever. Doesn't really matter. I, I suppose that was my least favorite uh, was Centurion. Things to Come was a lot of fun to cover, especially the fact that it was prophetic and and not exactly predicting World War II, but sort of predicting the. Um, the circumstances and some of the things that would come to pass, some of the things that were to come, uh, as you, if you will, uh, in, in in World War II, but also the way that certain things resonated in that movie, which I think this is the earliest movie that's that I think this is the earliest movie we've ever covered on the show. It's from 1936, and um, the idea of these like fascists taking over a completely at this point a completely eradicated and decimated earth in which probably only you know a, a few thousand people are, are scattered um you know maybe a few hundred thousand people are scattered across the globe at this point um uh, but even then that like even then in those dire situations um fascism and anti 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 intellectualism uh are are sort of the things that have taken over and it's just interesting how that sort of has resonated throughout time and how that is clearly a harbinger of bad times when the people in charge of everyone are stupid assholes who want everyone else to be a bunch of stupid assholes. So, yeah, so I I think Battle Breakdown, my favorite of Movie May. Centurion, my least favorite. In fact, I think think I'm going to nominate Battle Breakdown as, as one of the four. I think that is one of my four, not nominate, name it. Who? It's not going to a committee. Um, Battle Breakdown is one of my four best of episodes uh, of this year. All right, June history lesson. Pretty easy one to talk about here. I really thoroughly enjoyed this. But again, a lot like Mantiers, I think this would something would have been something that would have benefited from another perspective on. 
Um, in this case, we talked about sneakers, um, but we started with like the this, essentially the history of shoes. And it's so funny how, um, you know, I think most people associate sneakers with, you know, either Adidas or Nike. Um, certainly, you know, Nike being like the, the global giant in terms of sneakers. Um, and, uh, you know, Adidas had its time in the 80s or whatever. And we covered that, obviously. We covered hip hop culture and the rise of like sneaker culture in the 1980s. Uh, really starts in the 70s, but kind of really takes off in the 1980s uh, with Michael Jordan and uh, and the NBA in general, but certainly with Michael Jordan kind of captaining everything. Um, but it just, it was so funny that like the f- amongst the first pairs of legitimate shoes um, in terms of, and there's like sort of criteria for this because I'm sure even before the first legitimate pair of shoes were found, I'm sure people were like covering their feet with things just to keep them, you know, just to keep their, the soles of their feet from getting scratched and, scratched and mucked up or whatever but like in terms of like what would really be defined as like an actual shoe and it's really more like a sandal essentially i i love that like amongst the first pair that we've ever found were it was in oregon um and really not that not that far from eugene oregon where is you know as everyone knows if, if you're into sneakers i guess you probably know this that's where nike is headquartered um you know they came out of the university of oregon and it just seems like it's this bizarrely full circle kind of uh, episode to kind of talk about the the history of footwear and how it you know how absurd it got and how we still have we still have very european beauty standards for our shoes uh, which is why people's shoes are so fucking narrow um and they shouldn't be your your foot i don't know if you've seen your foot recently your foot isn't narrow it's actually quite wide especially at the toe box and um you know people still wear shoes that are very very narrow and we've actually, you can, like as a, as an anthropologist, you can kind of see how the human foot, once we really began binding shoes, binding our feet into shoes, how the human foot has changed shape over time. Um, and it's, it's a very, a fairly drastic change. I mean, look at your, you know, if you sit there and look at your hands, I actually feel like I brought this up in the episode. You sit there and look at your hands, how, and I know that your hands and your feet are different, but like, look at how wide you can spread your you know how widespread your fingers are even just resting compared to how compact your toes are resting they shouldn't be like that your toes should be spread out much wider um and if you see you know you see like um especially like a baby's foot or something like that look at how much wider spread their toes are at rest than they are than your toes are um i i promise you that your toes are significantly narrower than they need to be and literally we literally we can see that um literally we can see that in terms of um like essentially if you were to draw it like on a timeline you know drop a pin and say 50,000 years ago shoes were invented um 49,999 years ago human feet started changing essentially um but again i think this one would have been better um this one would have been better with a different perspective and some different ideas about shoes and footwear, or even just like a, a second episode to even do with this one, you know, uh, you know, just, you know, we do one on shoes, we do one on something else, whatever. Um, yeah, kind of the, sa- the same idea with man tears here. I love, I love both episodes. It was a lot of fun to do it too, especially, especially digging into like the more modern stuff, digging into how, you know, obviously magic Johnson and Larry bird did plenty for shoes, um, when they got into the NBA, but really kind of getting into how, Michael Jordan and Nike created something so vastly different. How, um, you know, how hip hop culture 
and originally Adidas, but obviously it, it expand, expands out to Nike and other shoes as well. But how originally hip hop culture and Adidas were so intertwined and created something new as well it was really a lot of fun to talk about. But something that I think would have benefited from more uh, from more perspectives. So um, no con here. I, I just and I, this, obviously there's only two episodes, so nothing really to uh, nothing really to like hash too too much over. Other than to say that yeah, it's the next time I do something like this, I'm gonna make sure that someone else is participating in it. That's all. All right, so July was vacation month. It's kind of generally when we take off. Um, and the I, I really wanted to do, and this, you know, circumstances led me to not do this. I really wanted to do, to get my version of Radio Play ready for, you know, even if it was just a short one spread out over a couple of episodes for July, you know, just to just to put up some content, you know, get something, get something up there for July. Ended up not doing it simply because of just the fact that, like, I couldn't, I wasn't going to be able to wrangle people for it necessarily. I was also surprisingly busy considering that I, you know, took time off or whatever. Um, but uh, something that, something for the future for July definitely would – I feel like I, I want to make sure that we have – and I'm going to try to do this next year. Try to have something original for July even if it like records – even if I record it like in February. Have something original for, for July that's not just a best of, a rehash of something, something original – um, something unique, even if it's only like one or two episodes. So that's that's the goal. That's the goal next time. That's all. Um, so vacation. Um, not, <laughs> I give my vacation four stars, I suppose. Four out of five. All right, August. So even though, even though my July vacation was only a four out of five stars, August was a five star month. Really enjoyed getting into the 1990s and talking about that era. Um, and then we did, um, we did, uh, Cherry and I talked about some video games and kind of our personal video gaming experiences. And, uh, we both discovered that, uh, I might, uh, me and my friends might've been budding serial killers, uh, for the way that we played, uh, WrestleMania 2000. But, um, it, it's, it was a lot of fun to talk about the video game stuff. And it's just, it's just very, it's just very funny how, the thing that really struck me when I was, uh, you know, going back through the episode and pulling clips and stuff and listening to it a little bit, it really struck me how the complaints that gamers have had since the 90s, and I'll assume before the 90s, the, the complaints that gamers have had kind of persist through time. They're almost the same thing. It's just a variations on the same note, I guess. Um, but uh, that was a lot of fun. But the one that I'm definitely going to put in my top four of the year uh, talking about 90s sitcoms with Rob Nugent. Believe it or not, the most downloaded episode of the year uh, was this was this sitcom talk with with Nugent, and we kind of discussed whether or not the 90s was the golden age, golden age of sitcoms, or was it the 80s? Um, it's kind of I, I like just sort of for devil's advocate, you know, Nugent went with the 80s, I went with the 90s, but realistically speaking, I think you could draw a line if you wanted to do a 10 year line. You could draw a line from 1987 through 1997 and call that the golden age of the sitcom in terms of things that were in their prime or just starting between that time period were like some of the best sitcoms, maybe the best sitcoms in the history of television uh, were happening at this point in time. But this was a blast. Um, it, was, it was so much fun. To, it, it, you want to talk about a nostalgia trip as a, as a kid who is – as a person who's still very into television and at one point in time wanted to be a TV writer, this was like, this was such a trip um, down memory lane. I mean, I got to, I, I can't even remember the last time I talked about the sitcom 
the sitcom adaptation of Weird Science with anybody. I, I truly can't remember the last time I talked with anybody about that. And Nugent and I got a good discussion out of that. Um, we got a good discussion out of Step by Step and Home Improvement, those shows. Uh, it, it was it was such a blast to talk about this one, talk about all those TV shows in this episode. So um, from the 1990s, that's, talking about sitcoms, that is that is right up there as um as one of my uh one of my episodes that uh makes the top four so where am i at on that actually just to kind of thinking about that so 1990 sitcoms and then uh battlefield breakdown i think are my two two of my four top of top of uh, top episodes of 2023 uh so we only got space for a couple more here but uh this whole month was a lot of fun truly no cons i guess the only con would be that i didn't get around to music and probably something that I think the I think the the good thing here is that I'll probably end up covering 1990s music much sooner rather than later. So so that's the good thing there. But that was that was definitely like the only con I guess was that we just didn't get into music and it would actually have been fun to kind of expand into some other stuff uh with that as well. But um the 1990s so much fun. Um, and like I said, 1990 sitcom, that's my other one for like one of my top four episodes of the year. All right. Now we're getting into some back to back heavy hitting months that were an absolute blast. Um, we are talking, we are talking sci-fi September. And as I type, uh, as I try to bring up some stuff here, hold on one second. This was, this was, um, this was easily this is this one's hard because I could literally I almost just want to nominate every single episode from this month um because I really enjoyed talking about it and I really enjoyed kind of breaking down the I really enjoyed breaking down this idea of sci-fi as like I I know like my favorite part of this was how people kind of think about sci-fi as being this like very distant kind of thing um that like you know like you're not into this story because it's sci-fi and realistically speaking the origin of fiction truly the origin of fiction is science fiction there like it just didn't have that name from the beginning because there's were you know the concept of science literally i mean i'm talking about like the original stories that people told about creation and gods and monsters and things we didn't have a word for what that was um, at that point in time, but really, what you're talking about with those, with those, um, you know, be they, be they written authors, be you know, written on scrolls, tablets, or you know, spoken word kind of people like Homer, um, what they were really talking about is science fiction, is exactly what they're talking about. It just took thousands of years for it to really become something. Even when you get to um, even when you get to like the 1800s, and you have more um, more fantasy style um, fiction, it's inseparable from science fiction simply because, again, the knowledge the the base knowledge of science wasn't fully complete at that point in time, or not that it's ever complete, but comparative to what we know today versus what we knew 250 years ago, it's vastly vastly different. And so magic and science were one and the same thing in the 1700s and the 1800s when people were writing these fiction stories uh, about, you know, you know, people being magical or doing weird things or, you know, how, you know, it's it just 
it's the same stuff. And it's just very interesting that it really isn't until, it really doesn't pick up until the 1930s, 1920s and 1930s, is when we really have defined science fiction. Where the science part is really, the science in science fiction is really a bigger part of it because humanity's understanding of science has grown so much. We use science on an everyday basis in the 1920s and 30s, be it to watch movies, to watch, you know, maybe maybe in the 30s you were lucky enough to have an in-home television. Probably not, but there's a few people that definitely had it. Um, radio, you know, you were, like, that was, these were things of science fiction. Communicating with multiple people, with thousands of people, millions of people, worldwide, all at once, that was that was just something unimaginable until it became until it became a reality, and so as our as I as I mentioned in the episode, our um, our understanding of science fiction, our understanding of science, grew and changed what science fiction was, and that's why science fiction begins to separate from fantasy, and other sort of other versions of fiction, and I think it's I think it was Robert Heinlein, um, I think it was Robert Heinlein. Uh, who one of the one of the godfathers of science fiction wrote Starship Troopers and some other stuff, it's not just some other stuff, a lot of other stuff that's, that's you know critical in uh, in in early sci-fi. But he basically just says that it's all speculative fiction. That the that what we're taking we we're taking things that are happening now and thinking about how they're going to change our lives and change and change society in the future. It's speculative, right? It doesn't matter that it's science, that it's a, that we're talking about, you know, in, in the 1930s that we're talking about radio or TV or that we're talking about, you know, potential space travel or whatever. It's speculation on how this thing is going to change the world. And that's really what that's really what fiction starts as. And so really you could you could make I don't even think it takes that. It's not even that big of a step. I think this is a very concrete thing that original fiction the original storytellers were telling science fiction stories we just didn't have the word for it that we have now that's all so like i said i could nominate every single episode from this one for various reasons let's to the uh, just to get to the movie reviews real quick i talked about the triangle or i'm sorry just triangle uh australian movie with melissa george liam hemsworth i forgetting the guy he but he plays joe pickett now in a tv show um actually he's from new zealand but regardless it has some people that, that you might recognize um has some people you might recognize and as i i think i make the convincing argument that it's not like a time loop movie it truly is a time it, it truly is a time triangle movie it's also possibly a purgatory movie not possibly i think it more than likely is a purgatory movie but it involves it involves a version of time travel um wherein melissa george's character is reliving the same day over and over again, but she's only aware of certain parts of it. And I think the reason why Triangle fits so well, even though it's uh, a slight reference to, obviously, the Bermuda Triangle, the reason why Triangle fits so well is that she has to kind of come down this entire plane. If you if you envision a triangle, she has to come from one end to the other, and she's not aware of what's around the corner until she gets there. But once she comes around that corner she forgets some of what she just had seen. So as opposed to a time loop, where in a lot of time loop movies, the people are aware of what's happening, that they're stuck in it. She's unaware that she is rounding uh, rounding these corners 
and coming to a new level of the triangle. Um, it, so it's it's probably, if you see the movie, it's much easier. It makes much more sense. But Triangle was a lot of fun to talk about. It was definitely a different version of, definitely a different version of a time slip movie, uh, a different version of time travel, a different, a really very different version of how, of how science fiction and um, science fiction, the supernatural kind of, again, speculative fiction, different parts of speculative fiction kind of run along each other. Uh, it was, it was and just a lot of fun to watch that movie and Forbidden Planet was a blast to watch. Forbidden Planet, one of the with Leslie Nielsen, um, goddamn, just very, so funny seeing Leslie Nielsen in the 1950s. Um, you know, not as the Leslie Nielsen that a lot of people my age know of. Um, you know, the, the the funny man or whatever. This very serious leading actor with the big strong jaw, tall guy, real handsome. You know, you could you could imagine that like you you would 100% imagine like him being a didn't really work out for him necessarily in the 50s and 60s. I mean, he was in a lot of movies and stuff as that sort of leading man, but he really doesn't become famous until he becomes older um, in the 70s and 80s and obviously through the 90s um, doing all these like kind of comedic, all these like uh, wacky comedic roles with uh, with Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker. But you could see the version of, you could see exactly what what producers and directors were thinking when they were casting Leslie Nielsen back then as this like kind of square-jawed, um square jawed tough looking guy i was gonna say all american except for he's from like edmonton uh, so he's not even american um big uh, one, you know big strong canadian guy you could see exactly what producers were thinking when he was being cast in movies back then and he definitely fits the bill in this movie but more importantly forbidden planet sets the stage for so much sci-fi tv and movies really we are still taking cues from that movie uh in terms of in creating sci-fi um star trek owes so much to this movie um and obviously from there star trek a lot of things owe everything to star trek so forbidden planet really is like a foundational building block piece of the uh, of science fiction pop culture uh you know going from the 50s going forward it's forbidden planet is just a keystone uh truly a keystone so man uh from this group here Boy, oh boy, from this group here, I got to nominate one of these. The radio plays was a blast to talk about. I, I didn't even talk about the radio plays. This was so much fun. Um, boy, oh boy, oh no, I didn't even I didn't even mention the fact that we kind of we kind of handicap or we kind of like classified like the types of sci-fi too. Jesus, oh man, I, I only I only want to pick one from this. So um, I'm not going to pick the movie reviews as like the top episodes. I'm going to go with the radio plays um, since I didn't No, You know what? Audible. I'm going to pick Sci-Phylum, Sci-Phylum's part one and two. Make it, that's, I'm cheating. It's fine though, because I'm the person putting this together. Um, I'm cheating here, but I'm going to do Sci-Phylum's part one and part two. Uh, we'll just, we'll just make it. I mean, it is one episode. Uh, just, I just split it up because it was so long. Um, I think that is sort of the best way into sci-fi other than the, other than the first episode, which when I get into the origins, I think sci-fi part one and part two talking about the different types of sci-fi examples, what they mean. Um, you know, I think that's sort of the best way to kind of, it's almost like I'm giving you, um, uh, like an encyclopedia of sci-fi, if you will, of, of modern, of modern pop culture sci-fi. Uh, so that's going to be, so sci-fi parts, parts one, part two, 
Uh, also, I think my two, think I think those are my two favorite covers uh, for the entire for the entire season as well. Um, but those are, um, but that's going to be my my third of my top four episodes: Sci-Fi Lens Part One and Part Two. All right, we're getting into October now. We're getting into our Fright Fest. Fright Fest Five, always a blast, always fun to do. Um, boy, this was I had I had so much fun doing this one as as well. So. In this version, we did in this in this year's version of the Fright Fest. Uh, as I said, we did we called it the Body Politic, and it was about political horror and um, political horror, and also adjacent, um, you know, uh, the adjacent sort of ideas of political horror. We we cover war horror. Um, we 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 broke it down by the the essentially the three branches of of any kind of body politic of any kind of political body, and the original the original term that we the original reason, or the reason why I'm using the, why I use the body politic for this, we talked about it years ago when we did our our villains episodes. That the body politic was sort of a um, not a new, but in terms of more recent, in terms of more recent stories, movies, and TV shows and things, the idea that there is a you know some kind of bureaucracy is the villain is. Not new, and again, not new, but definitely has become more popular in recent times. Think about Game of Thrones. Think about um, Handmaid's Tale. Think about Hunger Games. You know, the there are representatives, as we mentioned in this episode. We talk about there are representatives of the body politic. You know, it could be a king, it could be a soldier, it could be you know multiple soldiers, whatever. There are representatives of the body politic, but it is what. What really is the evil thing? What is the villain? Is this bureaucracy? Is the government? Is the largest body of this? Is the, is the truly the thing that people are fighting against, even though it has representatives? And so we broke this down. Um, like as I said, we broke this down into the essentially the three components of the government: legislation, you know, making policy or whatever. And we called that episode the legislative nightmare. Um, then we had the elites, essentially the people who are in charge of any kind of bureau, uh, any kind of bureau, bureaucratic body, um, or people that benefit from the bureaucratic body. So maybe not even maybe not even bureaucrats and politicians, but uh, business owners, people that people that are able to from a from a very high level sort of manipulate things, uh, you know, for their own for their own good. Um, so we covered the elites, and then we covered enforcement. Um, you know, the maybe the most immediate danger to the regular person uh, is the enforcement. You know, more than likely you're going to come across a cop. More than likely you are you're more than likely to come across that sort of representative than you are to cross paths with a politician or cross paths cross paths with like a high level business owner or something. You're more than likely going to cross paths with a cop or a soldier or something along those lines. So to that end, we did all movies. All double features for this one. Uh, for the legislative nightmare, we covered the purge and battle royale. Uh, the purge, you know, obviously is this this idea of like one night of every crime is legal um, to sort of essentially to to relieve the um, the collective consciousness, uh, the societal consciousness of its of its violent tendencies. And battle royale. The idea behind this one was that the Japanese, um, the Japanese government, the National Diet, um, essentially has determined 
that in order to in order to help keep kids in line, they're going to make a spectacle very much very much in the Hunger Games spirit of Hunger Games, which I'm sure takes very heavily from this movie, and uh, and I believe this is an adaptation of like a manga or possibly a book, but um, uh, Hunger Games takes very heavily from this. The idea is to make a spectacle of children killing each other, um, and you know, punishment for rebellious youth, but also kind of a reminder to shape up or your class is going to be picked to uh, to go to this island and kill each other. Um, so that was, and the idea here is that those were things that were legislative, legislated by uh, by the government. Uh, then we did the elites, and in this case we covered uh, the dead zone and they live. Um, in the dead zone we have a psychic uh, adaptation of a Stephen King book um, by David Cronenberg, and we have a psychic who sees the future for this uh fascistic um this fascistic president uh in the future who starts the apocalypse uh played by martin sheen and uh you know so you know then the the psychic has to uh has to stop him essentially and we watched they live which is the commingling of the commingling of uh governments both domestic and foreign governments and the ultra elites, the wealthy, powerful people, colluding to um, colluding to dominate through capitalism, the lesser people, and of course, those wealthy business owners just happen to be aliens from another planet. Um, so th- those were the elites, and then in enforcement, we covered uh, we covered two war movies, uh, so, sort of. One's a war, one's a straight up war movie. One involves soldiers, but um, so we watched Death Watch. Um, the uh, feature debut of MJ Bassett, who's gone on to direct a lot of action stuff, um, and uh, she has a pretty good eye for she has a pretty good eye for for action uh, cinema and action TV, as is demonstrated in this movie, uh, a World War One movie in which uh, soldiers find themselves trapped in a very particular kind of purgatory in the trenches, and um, then we also watched Day of the Dead, uh, the 1985 horror classic absolute horror classic by Romero, George A. Romero, um, wherein uh, civilians and soldiers clash on a military base, on a secret military base, experimenting on the uh, on the zombies that are now essentially roaming worldwide. And if you believe the scientist, the lead scientist, who's very much a Dr. Frankenstein kind of character, if you believe that lead scientist, um, there are less than... I believe there are less than 600 people left in the world at this point. And this bunker just happens to contain about 12 of them. Uh, but it is, it is about the, the, the first movie death watch very much about the horror of war and the idea of being sent into these just brutal, brutal conditions. As I've mentioned before, I, I world, not that any, not that any giant conflict is good or has any positives whatsoever, but I maintain that World War One was the worst war in the history of humanity. Um, it's not necessarily the the casualty count uh, or or anything of that nature. It's the it's the way that it, it ushered in a new type of war to humanity, and and with it ushered in new ways to die and new ways to traumatize people, uh, and new conditions that have just had never been seen before. Conditions that people had never had to suffer through before. Um, I maintain that World War One is the worst war of all time because of this. 
Um, you know, not that World War II was great. Uh, the United States inflicted so much damage uh, on, on Japan, uh, you know, through, you know, the, you know, as terrible as um, as the, the twin nuclear bombings were. Don't forget that we were firebombing Japan and burn and burning this wooden city uh, of Tokyo to the ground prior to that. But, you know, like it, it, uh, new horrors unleashed in World War Two, for sure. But they don't get unleashed without World War One coming first. So it was really interesting to watch this World War One movie dig into the dig into the experience and the fucking the absolute fucking nightmare of being in these wet, disgusting trenches fighting against people you can't even see just existing through persisting through these conditions that no one should have to persist through and really all to just die. I mean, truly just to die for no fucking reason. So, uh, and, and day of the dead, just again, this, the conflict between civil uh, civilization and the military industrial, not the complex, but sort of the, the military, uh, the military rule versus civilian rule and day of the dead is, it's just a fantastic sort of in in literally like 95 minutes one of the most fantastic sort of summaries of how of how of how military rule is not exactly the way that you would want to run a society it just doesn't it doesn't lead it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't make for a great it doesn't make for a great it doesn't make make for great living conditions as is as is presented in day of the dead and i do I did find it very interesting that Romero spot um, that Romero picks Day of the Dead as his favorite of the Dead movies, and while it's, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that um, whatsoever. I mean, he's the expert; uh, he made them. I, I just I find it interesting, and I and I think it is because there is a little bit more. There's a there's more rumination on the um, there's more rumination on the state of society at the very end in that one that I really, really enjoy as well. Um, you know, you could going back through the, the, all, all of the, of the dead movies are about something. The first one is, uh, religiosity, civil rights. Um, there's class stuff in there as well. Um, the second one, very blatantly about capitalism. Uh, and the third one about, you know, military, the, the military, the military fascism and, and also how, you know civilization and how civilians fit into that whole um you know the scheme of ruling and and what have you so i do find it interesting that that is his favorite one uh versus the other two but at the same time i I do like that i do like where this movie went and the way that it it picked out how it was going to represent these things i i I don't want to get too much farther into this one because i'm not picking (laughs) i'm not picking this particular episode uh for one of my top four um but anyway just to kind of circle back here well i i think i i know i mentioned this in the episode that um i'm kind of bending the rules here with the purge and battle royale because they're definitely more on the thriller side um maybe the purge is a little bit more of a horror movie but the battle royale has some horror movie kills that are absolutely incredible um still stand up today in terms of in terms of like unique and interesting kills for a movie so i think as, as I loved all of these two, and man, I th- as much as I love as I love the Dead Zone, uh, and and obviously revisiting They Live, um, those are just more obvious ones to me. So I think I think I'm going to circle back here and go with my fourth movie, 
of the top four of the year, uh, my purge and battle Royale discussion. Um, especially since I love battle Royale a lot. I always have, it's one, it's going to be one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite all time movies. Um, and the purge is not, um, but I like certain aspects of it. I like certain things about the purge. Um, to my understanding, like I said, I, I, I know I mentioned this in the episode that the purge kind of, it, it didn't hit for me. So I didn't see the subsequent ones, but as, as I have been told, and as actually, I've actually, I've heard through other podcasts, the subsequent two purges are worthwhile. Like they're a lot better than the first one and they're actually kind of fun movies. So I'll probably go back and check those out. And for that reason, I, I am nominating my Fright Fest double feature from the body politic, the purge and battle Royale for the fourth episode, fourth top episode of the year. All right. We're getting to the end here. November. We did. We talked about some sports. Um, I always try to set aside at least one month to talk about sports. Did some trivia again, which I always enjoy doing. Uh, talked about some Cleveland sports, which no one enjoys, but me. And that's all. That's totally fine. The highlight of this for me, absolutely. 100% was doing the best of the best week. Uh, and every day for a week, uh, it was like right before, um, it's like right before uh, Thanksgiving, or actually it's Thanksgiving week, um, now that I think about it, because uh, I released two, skipped skipped a day and released two in the same week, or two in the same day. Um, so best of the best week was the highlight of this one. Um, we talked about the best sports movie, the best stadium anthems, the best sports TV show, the best sports celebrations, and the best sports villains. Um, this was so much fun. Uh, I, 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 again, I don't think any one of these on their own, obviously since we're doing a top four, can't nominate it now anyway, but, um, since I don't think any one of these on their own is, is worthwhile in terms of being a best, the best of the best entire year, but for a whole week, all these together, these are a lot of fun. I really love talking about and going through, uh, through major league was my best sports movie. And if you disagree, you're wrong. Um, I love talking about the sports anthems, the sports TV shows. Was, it was funny because like the sports TV shows, um, they're fewer and far, they're, they're much fewer and far between than like a, than sports movies, right? It's a little bit harder to do a sports TV show and have it and have it have a lot of longevity. Uh, there's only really been a few sports, sports centric TV shows that lasted more than like a couple of seasons. Um, and that's why I, I kind of took the, I took the I, I talked about the league because that was sort of the way that most of us, most of us who enjoy sports, that's how we enjoy sports the, mo- the sports the most besides watching it is the fantasy stuff, and you know all the absurdities that come like around the fan you know uh, uh, the absurdities and the angry emails and the rants and shit that come from uh, come from doing a fantasy league, um, so it was just like a no brainer to talk about the league, the sports celebrations was a lot of fun too. Talking about the haka, talking about just spiking footballs, talking about what? Oh gosh, there was a. Besides the haka, there was a. Um, oh, but we talked about bat flips, um, you know, some some dance, some organized dances and things. It, it was a blast to talk about to like talk about the not so serious side of sports, and I really really loved wrapping up with the discussion about George George Steinbrenner as our ultimate sports villain. Um, probably our our true last sports villain, and I and I say that because l- listen, every fan base has players that they hate. Uh, um, you know, it's it, it's it's just the nature of sports, right? Like, 
I, you know, growing up as as a Cavs fan, I can't tell you how many times I had to see Michael Jordan shove a goddamn dagger through <laughs> through the Cavs' heart and through my heart as a kid. And even later on, when I wasn't so young, he still did it when he was part of the Wizards. It was unreal. But like that, there's always a villain on a team you don't like. But I, I wanted to kind of reach for for villains that sort of persisted longer than a career. And I think, and I think it, it has to go to ownership because some of these people own teams for 20, 30, 40 years, and they're the ones who are very out. They're the ones who are synonymous with with certain teams. You know, Steinbrenner is synonymous with the Yankees. Um, oh gosh, let, let me think of some other owners. Recently, especially because of how terrible of a person and owner he was, Daniel Snyder synonymous with the uh, with the Commanders. Um, you, you know, there's their owners are more well known than in some cases than the players because players come and go, owners are there for the duration, and that sort of just leads to them becoming villains. Uh, you know, like. Uh, you know, Robert Kraft, as owner of the Patriots, has seen this, you know, this unbelievable run of success. But I'm sure in some circles, certainly outside of outside of uh, Boston, um, a lot of people think about him as being a villain, probably. But I think in some circles, even in Boston, because of how long he's owned the team and where the team is now, some people probably think of him as a villain now. So I, I just it felt like it had to go to ownership and there is no better villain than George Steinbrenner. Um, it's listen, like it, it, Bob Kraft is an eccentric and kind of weird guy. Obviously, he really enjoys getting hand jobs at massage parlors, but like no TV show is making a character out of him. But George Steinbrenner is a character. You know, there's literally there's documentaries and fictional adaptations of of, uh, of books about the New York Yankees that involve George Steinbrenner. There's Seinfeld, in which he's a fictional character. Um, there's a reason why I picked George Steinbrenner. And I think he is the ultimate sports villain. And I truly think he's the last real sports villain. There's just... Most of these owners now are very PR conscious. They don't do the things that he... They don't do any of the things that he did. Literally, if you did some of the things that George did, you'd be in jail. Um, so I, I, George Steinbrenner, to me, is the best sports villain and also the last sports villain as well. So I, again, I don't think this whole week—I don't think any episode from this from this week is top four worthy. But if you took these as a bunch, this would also be a, an honorable mention. This entire week, doing the best of the best in terms of all these sports things: best sports villain, best sports celebration, best sports TV show, the best stadium anthems, um, and the best sports movie. I think the thing that I I need to do, and I probably will do this here when I get done when I get done recording this. I'll put together all of the sports anthems and the honorable mentions in an actual playlist because I realized I didn't do that. So that's the thing that I missed. That was the con of this month. That was the missed opportunity. I didn't put together a playlist of all these sports anthems and maybe or stadium anthems. And I'll probably throw in a few other ones uh, as well that are that are synonymous uh, that are synonymous with uh, with various sports and various venues and things like that. So sports in November, November a lot of fun. And that brings us to the wrap up. Um, I kind of I wanted to do more for December, more for the year in review, but we usually only do like one or two episodes anyway. And I felt like it was just better to keep this kind of contained to one one episode. So uh, you know, I, I nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with just doing one kind of overview of everything. I think I got everything out that I needed to say about everything um, about each month and about the difficulties and 
also the opportunities that solo podcasting has like presented me. So that was good. Um, I think I do hope, like I said, I do hope next year that, um, I do hope next year that I do get some more regular participants, uh, for certain things, especially when I do stuff that is, is going to require stuff like man stuff like history lesson, where I definitely want to get more perspectives on more perspectives on things. Um, I definitely, I have to, gosh, I have to get more guests and not co-host guests. I have to get more guests to talk about something that they're passionate about or an expert in, or they, you know, maybe they have a good story to tell, whatever. I have to get that going next year as well. Um, but I think, so I, I guess I can kind of unveil at least a little bit of the idea of next year. There's not going to necessarily be a monthly theme, although I might, uh, other than the ones, excuse me, other than the ones that we already have established, but there's a whole kind of collective theme next year. And I called it, I'm just going to call it imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. What are we going to do next year for a lot of, for most months, even in months that have themes is try to try to sort of mimic some of the podcasts and things that I enjoy in some capacity. So for example, I will I will throw this out there now. And January is exempt from this. I'll get to January here in a second, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to throw this out here. So one of the podcasts that I listen to on the regular is a daily sports business podcast uh, called Nothing Personal uh, with uh, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. He's a former executive, former former vice or former president of baseball ops for the Miami Marlins, um, and he's got a kind of an interesting. An interesting point of view as someone who was in the front office um, and knows how contract works, how contracts work, how business dealings work when you're, you know, you're signing up sponsors and doing that kind of stuff. So it's a really interesting perspective on, on sports and a different perspective on sports than, you know, than listening to former jocks talk about football or something. Nothing wrong with that. It's just I, I like having different perspectives. So the I think the the. I think the idea is not that I'm, I'm going to ha- not that I'm, I'm going to do a daily sports show or something for for a month, but I think what I'm going to try to do for in the March of Minisodes, in very nothing personal style, is to have an episode every single weekday that month. So it's going to be so nothing per or nothing personal. Um, so the occasionalist is going to is going to pull a nothing personal and have an episode every single day. And it's going to be in an area of my expertise or interest. Um, so it could be sports, could be gym stuff. I would love to get someone on to talk about stuff for an entire week. But that's going to be the idea there that we're going to get through. I actually didn't look at the calendar for um, for March. So I'm going to pull this up real quick and I'll, I'll give you an episode count real quickly here. So hopefully uh, March begins on a Friday. Yeah, so March 1st, Friday, March 1st will be our first episode. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5, 10, 15, 21, 21 episodes is what we're, is what we're looking at here, right? We do one more count. 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, yeah. So March, we're going to get 21 episodes in, um, in, in an area of, in an area of something that I'm an expert in or know a lot about. And we're gonna get into those like details of it. It could be it could be a singular movie that I talk about five episodes in a row. 
Um, but whatever, that's that's the idea behind uh, behind next year, is that we're gonna we're gonna just take a note from we're gonna take a note from other podcasts that that I listen to um, that I enjoy and kind of mirror their structure in some way, shape, or form, and you know take a note from them and then you know put it through our put it through our our version uh, of this here at the Occasionalist. So that's what's going on next year uh, for January. I said January is exempt. Because I do January, I want to, I want to use January as a month to besides the best of week, um, and this episode and the best of week, which will follow this episode. Um, I want to use that as time to put put together several episodes covering the stuff that we just didn't get to, um, we for whatever reason. So probably this month, be on the lookout for 1990s music. Be on the lookout for. We never talked about. Uh, I, I really want to do this. Do another episode just on sports logos and sports uniforms. Um, that kind of stuff. That's the stuff we're going to tie up. Maybe there's stuff that um, I, I got to go back again and do a little bit more research into all the notes that I took um, and see things that I things that maybe I kind of shorted myself on for one reason or another. But January is going to be. We're calling it loose ends. We're just going to tie some stuff up from from last year. And, you know, talk about it or whatever. And then we'll jump into our imitation, our imitation game. Our imitation is the sincerest form of flattery uh, for the rest of the year. And that's what we're going to be doing. So that's your look ahead. Um, thanks for, you know, thanks for all the support this past year. Uh, this this year was a, an absolute banger. Uh, it was so much fun. Um, we set some records and download subscribers. Um, things like that, which was absolutely great. Um, so that was that was super exciting. I'm looking at the numbers right now, um, and you know, it's not like we we like got like millions of people in or anything like that. But like we definitely we definitely blasted through our usual numbers, which was which is fantastic. So thank you all for that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with. Although I guess I guess my friends that listen, I don't tell them to listen uh, because I'm sure it gets really annoying. Uh, it would get really annoying hearing me hearing me constantly prattle on about this, but nonetheless, thanks for partaking in this weird, weird adventure that just has continued now into. So it's it's going to be two. It's going to be twenty twenty four next year. In some way, shape, or form, I'll have been podcasting essentially for the last fifteen years. So thanks for being on this absolutely bizarre ride for the past fifteen years. It's been a blast, but uh, we will see you. I'm going to I'm going to do the thing that everyone does uh on New Year's Eve. I'll catch you next year. <laughs> Later guys.